my face. There we go. Somehow we went back to, uh, we're going to, I was trying to figure out why we were singing the wrong words. No, no, you're fine. It was my job. I was supposed to go back and double check it, and I failed because I stared at my phone for 20 minutes. Okay. So let's go back to verse one. We're, we're, we're live on, hello people online. Yeah, we'll start at the beginning again. But we're just going to go from there to the end and then stop. And Kathy's going, whatever, Joe. You are not helping me whatsoever. You want to do a, a, a whistle verse? Good luck. No. <laughs> Back to me. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring Snowing and blowing, the bushels of fun Now the jingle hop has begun Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock Jingle bells chime in jingle bell time Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square In the frosty air What a bright time, is the right time To rock the night away Jingle bell time Is a swell time To go riding in one horse sleigh Giddy up jingle horse Pick up your feet Jingle around the clock Mix and a mingle And a jingle and beat That's the jingle bell That's the jingle bell That's the jingle bell rock Good job Apologies to Kathy. Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> All right. Anyways, good morning. I hope you guys are having a great start to the Christmas season. Yes. It's good to see you all. 
And uh, Jesse has a couple of announcements. I have lots of announcements. Of course I do. I'm going to borrow your table. That's what it's Good morning. I don't know about you guys. Yesterday, the carol thing was pretty fun, and it, we, had to, we had to bring it over to today. So, uh, First off, please sign the cards that are out on the window or the welcome ledge. Um, we get responses back. This one's from Doris and her dog, Peekaboo. <laughs> um, he signed it, which is great. Um, <laughs> and she just said, thank you guys so much for the cards. It brings her a lot of joy because um, she is by herself there. She doesn't have family nearby. So um, I'm going to put this out there, read it, sign it, make a little note. Uh, so please sign those today. And then the next one should be the Women's Ornament Exchange. So ladies, next week is our Women's Ornament Exchange. You're gonna bring, and lunch, I'm gonna feed you people. So uh, bring a wrapped ornament, um, you can make it, you cannot make it, you can buy it at the store. Um, bring it wrapped and then bring a side or like a finger food to share and we're gonna hang out in the children's wing and uh, do our ornament exchange, we love that. And last but not least, I didn't put it up there, I'm sorry Kathy. It's Kathy's first day doing slides, and we just let her uh, learn on her own. <laughs> Your trainee people will be here soon. Um, but <laughs> the trainer will be here soon. Uh, but for um, our Christmas event, for Christmas Eve, Unwrapping Christmas, we have little invitation cards if you guys want to send it out. Amber Dawn did the beautiful artwork on the front. So take these, pass them out, give them to your kids, invite your grandkids. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, um, if you guys didn't know, we have little bulletins, and the world humbles me on a daily basis because it says for we have a work party on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, November 29th, is women's Bible study. That's for this Wednesday. I apologize. <laughs> so, surprise, you're just keeping you on your toes, and that's all for me. So, thank you. That's all for you? All right. Okay, a um, couple of things. Um, so, Jack and Dawson are not here yet because they had car trouble. I know. Uh, but yesterday for me, I don't What did you do yesterday? Is your microphone on? It should be on. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it doesn't I just, sound like it's on, though, no. Um, what did you do yesterday? Uh, uh, um, I'll give you a guess. Disc golf. Yeah. <laughs> we did space race in the rain. So you do glow-in-the-dark discs, and you're just trying to ace the whole time. It's like four hours. I was wet when I got home. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, what it is. What about you? Balance my checkbook. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Boo! Boo! That, oh. End of the year is coming. Now Friday, what I did is I went to, uh, to Jack's first tournament and he won both of his matches. Yeah. And um, that's a segue into my sermon because you know, it, it's, when, when he starts, I, I knew he was likely gonna win these matches because I, I know the people who was he was wrestling um, but there always is a little bit of tension, like when you don't know the outcome, isn't there? Uh, especially the more significant the issues are. So whether it's a, you know, a health issue or a relationship or just something that's happening in your life. Can you, can you all think of something in your life that you're like, I don't know what's going to happen here and it makes me a little concerned, right? Now, how would it be, how much different would it be like with knowing that Jack was going to win the match, if you knew the outcome. Would that change how you feel about the circumstance? Of course it would. That's my point today with, with this, actually this entire series 
of looking forward to the, to, the, to the eternal Christmas, to Jesus coming back a second time, is that we're in the middle of the story, and I want you to know how it all ends, because we don't know yet, because we're not there, but we will, in, you know, in, in, in the God's timing, you're going to know the end of the story, and so I know we hear all these stressful things going on in our country, in the media, in the wars, and the rumors of wars, and all this sort of stuff, and it, you, you can get a little worrying, but you know the outcome. It's like a movie you've already seen the end, a book you've already read. It's like re-watching Jack's match on my phone knowing he's already won. That's what I want you to hear, is have a, so you can have a little bit of peace, a little bit more, more joy in the midst of whatever it is that's going on, because you know the story. Today, what we're, look, we're looking at the, the finishing of the story. Last week, we, we talked about going from, from Genesis to the birth of Christ, of, of Christ, the first half of the story, the point where God had made all these promises up to the point where he's, he's on these explosion of, of images of what God is going to do in Jesus. And then he comes and he keeps the promises. Now what happens after? In the most basic sense, what's the rest of the story? That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you that you loved us enough that you didn't leave the human race on its own. You didn't leave us in... Um, in our, in our fear and our misery, you've allowed us to, to, to play out uh, the choice we made in Genesis 3 to see what would, what would happen when we decide to be um, the ones who decide what is right and wrong and to go our own way. Um, but you, you've rescued us in Jesus, and we look forward to that, to the eternal living with you where you come and we live with you forever. We ta you tabernacle with us forever where the fullness of our salvation is fully and completely experienced by us. We thank you for, for, for the hope we have. And now as we come into this time, we ask Jesus that you would help us to, um, to really fully enter into this moment. To not think about all the other crazy enough stuff that's going on out there. But to keep, put our eyes focused sincerely and completely upon you. Amen. I want to tell you something about myself real quick um, before we do this one. So, what? Let's stand and read the scripture. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I looked down on my phone. I, I was supposed to read the scripture. Now, this is just the moment of Jesus coming back as described in, in Matthew 24. Immediately after the tribute. Am I on? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Amen. You should stand up. Lynn. 
Oh, you're eating a donut. You can sit back down. It's fine. Um, yeah. um, I was just going to say, as, as, I, um, as I find myself um, getting older, and I'm not saying I'm old, but as I find myself getting older, I find that I have less um, tolerance for tension and conflict, um, you know, especially like in TV or movies or sports. Like, I just don't handle it very well. I get up and leave the room. So I've become the worst Fairweather fan there is. If I really like a team, I'll wait to see if they won the game. And then I'll watch the game. Um, but what's cool about that is that you get to experience a sense of that tension, especially if it's like a close game and you realize that we win at the end. But you just get to spend the whole game going, and somehow we pull this off, right? And that's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot more fun than sitting there and going, oh, I hope we, oh, I just can't deal with this, and you leave the house, which is what I do. I'm going to go find something, like, helpful to do around the house. Honey, do you need help with laundry? Um, I can't stand watching the Seahawks lose to the Rams. Um, Cowboys. Yeah, or, and the Cowboys. Yeah, I saw that, too. Yeah, that was another one where I watched the end and went, don't need to see that game. Um, so, um, but that's kind of along the lines what Brian's talking about is like, like I, I know how it's going to end, so I guess it makes some of this stuff in the middle a, a bit more tolerable. I still feel it, and it still kind of sucks sometimes, but at least I know kind of where it's headed. In the meantime, we'll play something that's going to make you snap your fingers. Can you snap? Let me hear. Yeah, okay. Thank um, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father a blessed angel came And unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place, and with true love and brotherhood each other now embrace. This holy tide of Christmas all other doth deface. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and Go ahead and take a seat and let's pray. Father, this, um, this morning, um, I, I hope that we receive um, an enthusiastic uh, desire um, to look forward uh, to the end and to, to view our current circumstances within that, that framework, Lord. It, it doesn't mean that things aren't hard. It doesn't mean that, um, that there's bumps, that there's... Um, there's times when we think that um, that things 
can't possibly end um, in, a, in, a, in a happy way, that this is a tragedy and, and not in Shakespearean terms a comedy, um, but that there is a happy ending, Lord. Help us to see that and to view our circumstances that way and to engage with people knowing that we get to win because you are victorious, Lord. Help us hear that this morning, and we pray for Brian as he delivers your message. Thank you, Father. What a year, right? I know um, for some of us, this is certainly some, many within the Christian community, they, uh, they're, they're seeing things happening in Israel and in Ukraine and all of this, particularly the Israel stuff, and they're like, you know, is this the end? And as I said, I don't know, when was this? A couple months ago, or when, it might, maybe, it might be a month and a half ago, when it first happened, I said, maybe, we don't know, because um, eschatology, or the study of the end times, is, is a very hotly debated subject within the Christian community, which to a degree, I think, is a little bit of a, uh, of a tactic, frankly, from, from, from the enemy, to get us to fight over this. Uh, and, uh, my, my view is more along the lines of, um, uh, of Tozer, those of you who know who Tozer is. It, he, uh, he did a commentary on Revelation, and his commentary was just, what's 12 things that it says? And I think, I think when we look at these things, sometimes it's much, th th that we stress out so much about timeline that we miss the point. Um, and, uh, and so what I wanna do is, is this, this is gonna be a very, very rough outline what happens next, it's not gonna answer all the questions. I'm not gonna talk about the millennium, I'm not gonna talk about the tribulation, I'm not gonna talk about whether it's pre or trib or all of those, those kinds of issues. That's not, that's not my point today because that's not what the point of the text is um, when we're looking at Matthew 24, 25. Um, it is a place where, where the, the disciples very specifically ask for a timeline. It's one of the very few places where you can kind of get a, t a clear, this is clearly talking about a timeline, but even then, it doesn't mean everything is there. So for if, you, for if you're a, uh, a pre-millennial, post-millennial, whatever, whatever your view is, and some of you are like, I have no idea what he's talking about, good for you. <laughs> um, and I mean that sincerely. Um, but, but if you do hold that position, plug it in wherever you feel like it's appropriate, because um, what I'm going to be doing is just, these are some, just some basic mountaintop points that all Christians, Orthodox Christians, um, generally agree on, that there's a general sense of where it's going, and then there might be some things that you might plug in at various places. So that's my little bit of my, um, my qualifier. The other thing else I want to say, just because I really want to say this, um, is <clears throat> one of the things I, I got out of seminary when I went to seminary was, um, you know, a person comes into seminary with very clear, often very clear views on various topics, some of the, and you can probably guess some of the really hot topics of the day. Um, but then you get there, and what you find is you run into people who are very, very smart, very, very godly, very much love the Bible, love Jesus, and yet have different opinions. And so what do you do with that? You can't just dismiss them by saying, well, they, you know, they didn't study as much as I did. Oh, no, no, I, I'm talking to two people that this is their life passion, and um, they have different positions. No, no, it's not about studying. So you can't just dismiss them with a pejorative, a, a, a dissing on some character or deficiency. No, they just simply come to a different position. Um, 
that's okay. So it creates a little bit of humility that have my position, but some of them, you, sometimes you need to go, well, it's possible I'm wrong. So, all right, let's get into the text, Matthew 24. Matthew 24, now that begins with actually the question. There's a question that the disciples ask in verse 3 that, that we need to see what that is, first of all. And it begins with this. <clears throat> um, he sat down and, uh, at, on the Mount of Olives. And, and the disciples ask him actually three questions. Tell us when this, these things will be, which is the, the tearing down of the temple. Two, when is going to be the sign of the coming, of your coming? And three, what is the sign of the, the age, the end of the age? Um, so three questions. You know, when, when is the temple going to be destroyed? When is all of this stuff going to happen? But also, what's the, when are you going to come again, Jesus? Help us to know that. What's that going to look like? And what's going to be the end of the age look like? It's an actual specific question about time. This is what he's asking for. And he begins by, by, by giving an exhortation, which I don't have in this one, but we're going to look at it in just a second, which should tell us something. But he begins by saying the time before the end. This is the start of the, this, sec, this first section. Is not, the not the end, but the time before the end. Now, there is one little thing I want you to, to hear, because sometimes you guys, we, we, in our current Christian culture, we misuse this phrase because it's not used biblically. And that is, are we in the last days? That is a biblical phrase that is not mean in the Bible what we mean today. What do we mean today? Is this, the, you know, is 2023 going to be the final year? Right? That's what we think about it, right? That is not how the Bible uses that phrase. That phrase technically means the days after Jesus rose from the dead. Go and check out Acts chapter 2, where, where Paul, Peter is quoting Joel, where he said, described explaining Pentecost. And he says, in the last days, and he talks about the giving of the Holy Spirit. So the last days is a time post-Jesus in a biblical sense. But for our sense, when we talk about the last days, current culture, we're talking about, okay, is, is it going to happen between now and like 2033 or something like that? That's what we mean by the last days. Just understand that there's a two different things. So when you read that in the Bible, be careful with that. By the way, that's also why when you read in the, New in the Old Testament, the beginning of days, in the beginning, the beginning of the days, and then after Jesus is the, the latter days, the beginning days, and there's the latter days. I love those cool things. Anyway, so what this is talking about is the time up until right before the end. And he starts right this. This is Jesus' answer. And he starts with, Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. That right there should tell you a lot about this section. They asked for a timeline. What is Jesus' first words? Application. The point of everything he's trying to say is, be, is exhortation. So whenever you think about eschatology, end time stuff, it is always, always put into the, used to, to tell you how you need to live now. And this is how Jesus, that's how Jesus starts. But then he gets into it. 
Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and that you, but see that you're not alarmed. There's another application. For this must take, but take place, but the end is not yet. So this is not the end. So this thing here of people coming and leading people astray, saying, I'm the Christ, wars, rumors of wars, that's not at the end. The end is not yet. This is all before. So all this is describing a time, to put it in our language, this is what's been happening for 2,000 years. People saying, I'm the Messiah. Whether we're talking about a Joseph Smith or you're talking about, about a, a Muhammad or whatever it is, or just crazy people in Texas or in, 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 in California. What was that, the Heaven's Gate? Remember those? I mean, yeah, it's all over the place. David Corr I don't know. I don't remember all of them. Jonestown. I, you know what I'm talking about. All these people who say, I'm the Messiah. No, you're not. Don't be deceived. And then there's going to be wars. The human history has been littered with all kinds of wars happening. This is just, this is what's going to be happening. So don't get upset. Don't be alarmed. This is just going to happen. He continues. For a nation will rise up against nation, kingdom will against kingdom. There'll be famines, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be in various places. Again, so you've got spiritual deception. I'm the Messiah. No, you're not. There's going to be wars. Ooh, dangerous times. There's going to be upheavals, earthquakes, and famines. Life is not going to be easy. This is just the way it is. But these all are but the beginning of the birth pains, the beginning of labor. So this is the time before the end, but it's not the end. Continues. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation, and they'll put you to death, and they will, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Again, this is all before the end. If you watch the time marker, he's saying this is all at the beginning. Deception, upheavals, persecution, famines, a lot of spiritual danger, a lot of upheaval, deception, love growing cold, false prophets. Yeah. You won't be liked by, by nations. Why do we Christians think that, the, that our government is supposed to like us? Why do we think the, the culture is supposed to like us now? Sometimes we deserve it. But don't assume that, that if we just are nice people that the world's going to like us. No, no, no. Jesus has promised that they're, they're not going to like us. Because a lot of this love will increase. But the one who endures to the end. Again, you see an application. In all of this, don't be deceived. Endure. Hold on. Now we have a, a marker here. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end comes. So if nothing else, there is a marker when we know we are finally at the end. Is the, is the gospel has to be preached all world. 
When was that done? Has it been done? I don't know. Maybe. What's the name? I think it's the Joshua Project. I'm looking at you, Carrie. Is this Joshua Project? They think they're either, they've either done it or they're really close. It depends on how you count nations. But they're certainly close. But I can guarantee you, 50 years ago, it wasn't preached to all the nations. It might be now. But certainly, Jesus says the end cannot come until the gospel is preached to all the nations. But once it is, then the end comes. And so what we have up to this point, verse 13, is the time before the end. You got spiritual danger, you got upheaval, you got persecution, you have all of these difficult, hard things happening, and the gospel's being proclaimed all over the world. People won't be liking you, some people will be falling away. This is, this is, this is what's going to happen post-Jesus, is this stuff up to this point. Time before the end. Spiritual danger, persecution, upheaval, and the gospel's being pro proclaimed. That's the time before the end. And then the end comes. The end, and what I think he means by this, is the actual, from our language, the last days. The last couple of years, calendar years, before the end. The time of the end. Not just before the actual end itself. And now we start getting into verse 15. And verse 15 enters into an area where there's, it gets a little confusing just a little bit. There's a little bit of an interpretive challenge here. Um, and as I read through it, you'll, you'll see, you might see what I mean. There's a, the, the problem is, is most scholars will say that this section, there's parts of it that clearly seem to uh, refer to what happened in 70 AD where the Romans came in and just destroyed the nation of Israel and wrecked the temple. And, uh, and there was a, a, an altar to a pagan god set up in the temple. So there's at least some of this has, appears to be referring to that. But there's also stuff in there that can't be. And so it gets a little topsy-turvy what's happening. Now, one, one simple solution to that is whenever you look at, at prophecy, often, maybe always, there are multiple fulfillments of it. Take, for example, one of the more clear ones is we know of the, 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 that famous one in Isaiah where the, the government will be on his shoulder, you know, to us a, a child is given, all of that. Well, it clearly was also, that was fulfilled not too long after that was done. There was, there was someone happened and it answered that the prophecy. But it also clearly referred to Jesus because the scripture says it did. And so you have two fulfillments of the same thing. One, a, a minor fulfillment and then much bigger fulfillment. I personally think that's what's happening here. But what do we see in this section is the same kinds of things that we just read with one distinction. It gets worse and there's a particular man in charge. Let's read it. So when you see standing in the holy place, which would be the temple, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let the one on the housetop go down and take, not go down to take anything, let no one in the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. 
How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing num numbers, mothers. Pray that your flight may not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. And so basically what he's doing is he's, you're going to see this thing here, this bad thing occurring. You need to act now. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Be, be ready for action. Then there will be great distress. Unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never shall be equaled again. And so here's, that, that's what, this is one of the things. The first part, clear, well, that sounds like it's uh, AD 70, but this part is like, this can't just refer to that. Because certainly it was very horrible going on what happened in AD 70 for the Jewish people, but it wasn't as bad as the Holocaust. So he seems to be flipping here a little bit. And if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. And if, and if, any, and if at that time anyone says, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. Again, same thing. Here's the Christ. Look at the Christ. Persecution, danger, all of the same types of things are going to happen. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if even possible, the elect, that is, believers. So same thing. Same kinds of things, but the language is ratcheted up a little bit here. But see, I told you ahead of time. I told us believers, us Christians, people who are reading this. See, I told you ahead of time. Prepare. Be prepared for lots of deception to occur. And if anyone tells you, here he is, out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or there he is, in the inner rooms, don't believe it. Why? Because as lightning comes from the east and is visible even in the west, so the coming of the Son of Man will come. So what he's describing is, is a time of great danger, of upheaval, of, of a time of, of, of violence, of persecution, a time of deception like none other. But don't believe it. Again, what's, what's the point here? It's not just the timeline. Even though there's a little bit of a timeline going on here. It's application. And when Jesus does come back, it's going to be clear. And so what we have here, well, let me finish this section. For whenever a carcass is, there the vultures will gather. So you have the time before the end. And now it just gets worse. You have the time before the end, and then it just gets worse. More wars, more danger, more violence, more deception. And then we finally get to the Christ's return. Then we get to Christ's return. So what's going to happen up to that point? It's just kind of what it's already been doing. But it gets worse. But if you come here to, we finally get to verse 29 and said immediately, notice there's a time stamp here, immediately after the tribulation of those days. What days? The days he just described, which could be 15 through, through 20, uh, 28, or it could be 4 through 28. It's hard to tell. But after those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will, not, will fall from the heaven. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. A rapid succession of events. 
Now, again, you, you might put the rapture in, in somewhere in the, in the middle of this. You might put the millennium somewhere in the middle of this. That's not what I'm talking about today. This is the, Jesus isn't addressing that. I'm just saying it gets bad. Then Jesus comes back. Then we'll appear in heaven. Then, so let's read it both together. It says immediately after the tribulation, all of these things have happened. Then appears in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Because that was their second question. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Jesus shows up, and everybody knows it. It's obvious. That's a clear point here. Going back to verse 27, 28. None of this, is Jesus back? Do you know? Unfortunately, the left behind, you know, made it sense, the sense that, oh no, people won't know if Jesus comes back. No, people will know when Jesus comes back. Now again, depending on how you put your, your theology, maybe there's a, there's, a, there's, there's a rapture beforehand, but they will know when Jesus comes back. Everybody knows. And then there's this, the tribes will mourn. That's a whole, that's actually the combining of two scriptures in the Old Testament, from Zechariah and Daniel 9, I'm going to leave that for another day. The point is, when Jesus comes back, everybody knows. And then he sends out his angels, because his angels are going to be with him. They'll have a trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to another. Visible, glorious, obvious. Collect the, collect the elect, whoever the elect fully is. Again, some of you will say that's just the Jewish people at that point. Some of you will say that's all believers. However you want to do it. That's Jesus' return. It's bad. Obvious, glorious. And then we have after the return. Now, after the return, we have to actually jump down to chapter chapter 25, because what he does from that point on, from verse 32 to the end of the chapter, is he has a lot of exhortations, applications. How do you wait for him? With the ten virgins, with, with the, uh, the, the lesson of the fig tree, all of that is application. And I keep saying it, but again, for those who online or whoever, even my, myself, who, who really want to know the, the timeline, listen to the point. He has sprinkled application throughout this, and then he breaks the timeline to give a huge section of, this is what you need to, how you need to think about and respond to this. Listen to the parable of the fig tree. Listen to the, the, the lesson of the virgins. How do you respond? We're going to talk about that next week. How do you wait? But let's get back to, to the timeline, which he jumps back into in verse 20, verse 1. Excuse me. Not 20. Yeah, also in 25, verse the parable of the virgins, par parable of the talents. You have to get all the way to chapter 5, chapter 25, verse 31, where he picks up it again. Where he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, which is when? Back to chapter 24, verse 29. Actually, 30. With all the angels with him, when he comes, he does what? 
He sits on his glorious throne. And then we have the parable of the sheep and the goats, which is he judges the nations. He judges the nations. People, these people over here, these people here, and what it ends up is this. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from the sheep, sheep and the goats. If the shepherd separates sheep from goats, and then it ends with this. Some, some will go to eternal punishment, others the righteous to eternal life. So what happens after Jesus comes back? Judgment, go into eternal life, the new heavens, the new earth, all the glorious stuff we read in, in multiple places in the Bible, but certainly, clearly, Revelation 21, 22. So that's the end. Things get bad. Then really bad. Then Jesus returns, and then there's judgment, and then there's eternity. That's my timeline. Again, you can put other things in there if you want. That's fine. I'm not trying to put, say whatever it goes. But this, these points are at least there. These are the mountaintops. Bad, Jesus returns, maybe for the first time, maybe for the second time. Then there's, when he does come, finally, visibly, there's judgment. Then there's eternity. The final state where people are in one, one, some people are in one spot, other people go into the other. That's the timeline. And this timeline, generally all Christians agree with. Sure, we'll, we'll disagree on some points, but not these. Here's the application I want to have just one for the day. When, when we're hearing of wars and rumors of wars like in Israel, you need to not get alarmed. You need to not get all worked up. You need to not get all stressed out about it. Okay? Whether you hear, you know, oh no, there'll be a nuclear war, whatever this is, it's like we know how the story ends. We know it doesn't end with the extinction, extinction of the human race. It just doesn't. Will there be hard times? Absolutely. As Joe said, sure, there's a lot of tension between now and the end of the game. Certainly. Um, it doesn't make it necessarily less painful to go through those moments. But we know where it goes. Don't be alarmed. Have a little peace knowing the end of your story as believers. Have some peace knowing where the ship of the world is going. Because that's where it goes. I know there are moments today where it gets, it, 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 it's really painful. You, but you're in the middle of your story. You're not at the end of your story. And that, that's what I really want you to hear today. Is yeah, it's going to get bad. It might even get really bad. Even in your own lifetime. But Jesus comes back. And then he sets everything right. And you go into eternity where it's very good. Have some peace. Have a little more joy watching the game of your life. Knowing the outcome is you win. Okay? Because Jesus wins. That's the point of eschatology. You win. Jesus wins. It's going to be okay.
Father, I am so glad that the, 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 the destiny of, of history is in your hands. That no one is greater than you. And no matter if all of heaven's rebellions or all of humanity, if all of creation says they want to go a different direction, which we, we all know that the devil and his angels and a good portion of the human race doesn't want it to go where you want it to go. It doesn't matter. You will get it there. And we are so deeply grateful that we get to be on your team and win the game with you. We long for that day to come. We long for it today. Lord, I would love for you to, get, to, to, sh to blow the trumpet today and we hear you in the sky and we get to go home. We get to see the end because the world is hard and we're suffering. We long for that. We long for your, for your return. But until that day, Jesus, give us the peace of knowing. Have us to have the faith to trust your word that you are returning for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand as you're able. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And Oh, 
just for a moment, or for as long as you want, for that matter. Um, uh, I, I'm just going gonna, gonna to read you a lyric um, from a song that you don't know, um, because it's a song that makes me, that really for me epitomizes the message uh, today. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's by a guy who's a Christian, but he's not a Christian artist. So... Um, if someone wrote a play just to glorify what's stronger than hate, would they not arrange the stage to look as if the hero came too late? He's almost in defeat. It's looking like the evil side will win. So on the edge of every seat from the moment that the whole thing begins, it's love that makes the mortar, and it's love who stacked these stones, and it's love who made the stage here, though it looks like we're alone. So in this scene, set in shadows, like the night is here to stay, there's evil cast around us, but it's love that wrote the play. For in this darkness, love can show the way. Um, it's one of my favorite songs, and, you, and he's speaking about Christ there. And um, when I start to feel like things are really heavy, and I start to feel like, I don't know, and I've had these moments, God... I have no idea what you're doing, and I think you don't know, <laughs> you know. Um, if you wait, you will see how he weaved the story. But it's really hard when you're in the middle of that garbage. I mean, and if, like if you've gone to see a play, you know there's got to be tension. Otherwise, you leave because it's boring. Um, so I just wanted to share that because it's just one of those songs, like when I'm struggling, I'm like, if someone wrote a play, and I just go right into that song and sing it to myself. Um, now we're going to sing again about Christ coming uh, and just reflect on that within kind of the framework. So you can stand if you want or just adopt any kind of posture of, of worship for you, but um, just a wonderful contemplative song. Oh, come divine. Messiah, 
The world is longing for the day When hope shall sing its triumph And sadness flies away Dear Savior, come to tired earth And bring the grace of dawn Dispel the night with thy face Come, Messiah, come, oh, come, divine Messiah, come, oh, come, divine Messiah, come. O thou whom nations sigh for, whom priest and prophet long foretold, does break the captive fetters and brings the wayward home. Dear Savior, come to tired earth and bring the grace of dawn. Dispel the night with thy face. Come, Messiah, come, oh, come, divine Messiah. Oh, come, divine Messiah, come. There is hope today that God himself might shine upon our souls and save. Unto you a Savior comes and everything will change, everything will change. There is hope today that God himself will take our wounded world and save Unto you a Savior comes And everything will change Everything will change Oh, come Divine Messiah, come Oh, come Divine Messiah, come Messiah, come. Oh, come, divine Messiah, come. Okay. <coughs> Which you all are. You know, um, <coughs> Jesus wins. We win. That's the end of the story. But I wanted to say, as we come to this, and this is important, is that that story is not just wishful hope. It's not fanciful ideas in our head that, like to comfort us, as, as the critics and the skeptics will say. Um, no, because ours is not just something that came up out of the mind of a human being or people that just construct this idea out there that would be really happy and wonderful end of a story. So we're to be like these perfect optimists for the human race. No, that's not what happened. Ours is based on an actual reality, an historical event. This is important. That our faith is grounded in that Jesus is not dead. 
Because of that, everything else flows. Because Jesus came and fulfilled the prophecies, everything in the Old Testament we can trust is true. Because he's raised from the dead and he says, I'm coming back, he's coming back. Who know, we don't know how long, but we know he, has, he will come back. Because he's kept his promise the first time, he's kept his promise the second time. And this is all historical reality. So when we come to the table, one of the beautiful reasons for this that, that Jesus set up for us is this is actual physical, tangible stuff we're eating and drinking because the reality of our hope is not just an idea to talk about. There's, there's something you can touch, taste, ingest. His actual life and death is real. So when you come to the table... Remember the reality of what you're touching to remind you that the reality of our hope is also just as tangible as this. And come to the table going, this Jesus is where my hope is. This is my, I'm trusting you to be my peace in whatever circumstance is going on in your life. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and says, this is my body, my life, my flesh and blood given for you. And he went to the cross and the father laid on him the sin of us all. And he was crushed for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he says, this is the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. The covenant where he, God says, I will, I will, I will, I will do it all. You need to just trust my word. And I will make you mine, my sheep, my child. Come to the table. And then get the elements, and then we'll partake in them together as well. Strangers, still I love you. I love you more than your mask. And you know you have to trust this to be true. And I know that's much to ask. But lay down your fears Come and join this feast He has called us here You and me So may peace rain down from heaven Like little pieces of the sky Little keepers of the promise Falling on these souls this drought has dried in this blood and in his body, in this bread and in this wine, peace to you. Peace of Christ to you.
Though I love you still, we're strangers Prisoners in these lonely hearts Though our blindness separates us Till his light shines in the dark And his outstretched arms Are still strong enough to reach Behind these prison bars To set us free So may peace rain down from heaven Like little pieces of the sky Little keepers of the promise All in on these souls this drought has dried In his blood and in his body In this bread and in this wine Peace to you Peace of Christ to you Father, I pray that peace would fall down upon all of us here, all of us who hear this. I know some of some people here and in online and certainly around the world, they're going through very not peaceful moments in their lives. May it may your peace fall down and water that soul. All the souls that, that need your desperate peace. Help us to not be alarmed and stressed out about all the stuff that's happening, knowing the end of the story of the world and the end of our story of us individually. Help us to hold on to that, to make that center of our lives. Thank you that you've purchased that end with your body and your blood. Thank you. The body and blood of Christ given. May God bless you today and tomorrow and all the days of your life with the peace of knowing he's coming home for you. He's got your life in his hands. He's got the whole, as the old song, he's got the whole world in his hands. He does. He's got you. Okay? He's coming. Be at peace. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>